I woke up to the sound of beeping machines and the whir of an IV line timing the release of fluids into my body. A dim light from somewhere, unseen, illuminated the room I was in. I felt the bed sheets pressing down on me like weights, tucked under the lumpy, uneven, and hard cushion that was the hospital bed. I blinked, trying to remember something, anything before I woke up here. I remember leaving my girlfriend's house. I remember us spending our year-and-a-half anniversary together. We had a great night watching movies and celebrating each other. I remember gathering my stuff and heading for the door. Then I was here. I shifted my eyes all around the room and saw that I was in a hospital room. On the far wall, I could see a whiteboard with the date and the name of the nurse that was attending to me. I was in the ICU, room 507. Nurse Cat was watching me tonight, apparently. A coat rack sat in the corner behind where the door would swing open to. A TV sat near the ceiling with a blank screen. It was a glass screen, not one of those new flat-screen ones. I could see a reflection of the room in it, and I saw that the bed beside me was empty. The white rectangle was almost glowing as I stared at it. I looked to my left and saw a dividing curtain that I assume was white, but colored orange-yellow by the light coming in from a window on the other side of the curtain that I couldn't see. I also saw the machines I was hooked to. An EKG machine with the crooked lines bouncing wildly across the screen. Numbers and letters that might as well have been Japanese as they meant nothing to me. Looming over me was a large IV fluid bag, ticking and whining every few minutes to release fluid into my arm. I looked to my right. A wall with a picture of a nature scene, a waterfall and a deer on it. A door to the room was at the end of my bed, maybe six feet away from my foot. The large, wide door used to push patients' beds in and out of the room, maybe for carts that moved bodies out of the area. A bit of light was coming from the door as it hadn't been closed completely, a sliver into the world beyond this room. I tried moving. I tried sitting up. I tried moving my arms, my legs, my fingers, my toes, I was only met with a stillness under the sheets. No movement. Well, that was a lie. I could wiggle my big toe on my right foot with some major effort. I had experienced sleep paralysis before, and was thinking I was going through that again. Looking down at my feet and trying to move my toes greeted me with the strong smell of detergent and antiseptic from the sheets. A smell that almost gagged me. I wish that the lights in my room were turned on. I tried speaking, and with some effort found that I could do that. After only a word or two, though, I would need to breathe, and it sent pain coursing through my torso. I had to have had broken ribs or bruised ribs from whatever happened to me. Someone outside the room must have heard my attempts at communication as they opened the door a bit more. A thin redhead with yellow glasses and scrubs that had lemons on them peeked in. She called out that I was awake, and before long, 
I was bombarded with different nurses, and even the doctor that was on call for the night came in to see me. I had been in an accident. Someone ran a stop sign from an alleyway and T-boned my car. They didn't tell me much else, but they could see that I was in pain. They asked if I could move anything on my body, and I looked down at my feet, and with a painful grunt, I wiggled my big toe. The doctor looked at me and said that it was a start. They were unsure exactly uh, what was causing my paralysis, but hoped to start treatments in the morning. With that, the flurry of people that had been observing me seemed to scuttle back to their respective places, and I was once again bathed in the darkness of the room. The orangish glow from the light outside was the only source for the room. I was attempting my best to try and sleep, but in the unfamiliar bed, room, and building, it was a useless effort. I just sat, breathing ragged and in pain. Every few minutes I heard the sound of someone walking by, and their shoes sometimes squeaked on the tile floor, or I heard murmurs from hushed conversations about other patients in the ward. I must have sat there counting dots on the ceiling tile for at least two hours before I felt a chill run across my face. I glanced around and saw that the dividing curtain was swaying slightly. I hadn't heard the ventilation system kick on, and the breeze didn't seem to be constant. A hospital shouldn't have a breeze blowing through the room, unless that hospital was falling apart. I sat pondering the strange breeze when I heard another noise. Breathing. A raspy wheeze of breathing. It seemed to be coming from the other side of the door. I noticed that it hadn't fully shut again when all of the hospital gawkers left. The light seemed to shine through at the top of the door, but for the majority of the middle of the door, the light was blocked by something, as if someone was looking in. I laid in my bed, watching the door as it continued to be blacked out. It cracked open quietly then, and the nurse that first noticed that I was awake came in. The sudden movement of the door would have made me jump if I could move my body. Instead, I just gasped and made my torso hurt. Cat went through what became a regular routine between my nurses and me. Changed the IV bag, nod when the pen is pointing at my face, and the number of pain I was feeling. Simple yes and no questions for my condition, and, and if anything had changed. The days came and went. Light streamed through my window, and limited visitors of family and friends were allowed to see me due to my condition. My childhood preacher came to scold me for not following closer to the faith and prayed over me. Cat was my night nurse, and probably my favorite. She was stern, yet you could tell there was a passion behind her actions. Other nurses didn't communicate much past the regular questions and changing of fluids, or placing meals into my PEG feeding tube. I felt they felt as if I was subhuman, lesser, because of my condition. But my night nurse saw me as an equal, and she wanted to make sure that I received attention needed, and that one day I would return to normal. During the first week, I had all sorts of tests, scans, blood work, and samples taken from me. The damage from the accident was obvious, but what caused my paralysis was baffling everyone. I had been working on and off with specialists to move more than my big toe, and after the first week, I was able to move both big toes independent of each other and 
had regained feeling in my right hand, though movement was still impossible. Every night the daylight from my window would dim until the orange light outside would kick on with a buzz, bathing the room in a sickly orange glow. The wheezing would start around this time too, sounding as if it were just outside my door. The door that seemed to have an issue with the hydraulic bar and just kept open a crack. Some nights listening to the wheezing put me to sleep, and other nights it would keep me awake. The nurses, janitors, and other staff didn't seem to notice this wheezing. I think it was maybe my third or fourth night when I asked Kat question, and her head raised from papers to look at me. I hadn't really said much other than yes or no at times, and she told me to go ahead, and I sputtered out, Do you hear wheezing? She walked over to me and put her stethoscope on my chest and said, No, I don't hear any wheezing from you. And I shook my head as best as I could and said, Not me. Wheezing. By door. She looked at the door, towards where I was looking, and clarified, asking if I was asking if there was a wheezing sound coming from the door. I nodded with a smile, and she understood finally. She walked over and put an ear near the door and looked at me, shook her head, and told me she didn't hear anything. I sputtered, must be hearing things, and chuckled painfully. I noticed she checked in on me a few extra times that night. I had been in the room for about nine days when the routine changed. I could wiggle my index fingertip only a little bit, and the friends and family had stopped showing up daily. It was twilight, that moment when everything kind of becomes gray. I was watching TV, some random station with westerns on it. I had the day nurse place the controller so that I could change the channels with the finger that I could move. I wasn't a fan of westerns, but it was better than the infomercials or the news. My brain flashed for a second then. The room was suddenly brighter. I guess I blinked or something just as the light kicked on outside. I watched for another ten minutes of that western before I heard the nurses changing shifts. There's always a bit of extra foot traffic and conversations about patients' progresses and issues that needed to be dealt with that night. They have to be brought to the attention of those taking over. And I was staring at this door, the crack of light showing me people walking by, bright scrubs giving little flashes of color as the nurses crossed sight. I must have zoned out because the next thing I knew the door was opening and a nurse walked through. Cat had her night off and Tanya was my nurse tonight. She walked over to the board, erased the name of the nurse that was here during the day, and wrote her name. She looked over and saw that I was awake and smiled, and we went through the regular routine of questioning and quantifying pain. Tanya stood up, satisfied with the paperwork, and switched out my IV bag. My eyes followed her hands as she did the motions, and as she picked up her clipboard and left the room. As the door swung shut, I saw that the coat rack had something on it. A coat someone must have forgotten when visiting me. I stared at the coat, studying details of it. A habit I had formed while sitting here. 
The coat looked like a long pea coat or a trench coat. I could see buttons forming a line that reflected the orange light from outside. I turned on my television and flipped through the late-night channels that I knew had something on. Eventually, I found a semi-funny sitcom to pass time until I either fell asleep or Tanya came back in to check my vitals. I had watched a few episodes of this sitcom marathon when I felt something. A sliver of cold air passed over me. Not just a puff from a door opening or closing somewhere, but a constant breeze. It was strong enough that it moved the curtains that separated my bed from the empty one next to me. The hairs on my neck prickled and I saw that my arms had goosebumps. I watched as the bumps on my arms slowly faded back into my flesh. A few moments later, Tanya entered the room. As she opened the door, my room was flooded with fluorescent light. I glimpsed that something had changed in that split second of the door opening. Something was missing. My wall behind the door was empty. The coat that I had spotted earlier was now gone. Tanya asked me about my pain, how I felt, the usual droning required crap that she needed to ask. She checked my IV levels, gave me a small smile as she left the room, and gave the room another flash of outside light again, before closing me off from the rest of the hospital. As the door shut, I saw that the coat was back, but it sat differently. Like it wasn't hanging on a hook, but just kind of thrown over top of the rack itself. It had moved during the brief minute that Tanya was in here. I still felt that damn breeze as I faded slowly to sleep. I woke up to commotion outside of my room. Hushed voices rushing past my door, many footsteps thudding on the tile. I heard someone hiss the word blue. Code blue? Someone was having a worse time than me on this floor. I heard the commotion as people filed in and out, doing their duties to try and keep the person in question alive. Eventually, the steps slowed, and people began walking in a direction away, rather than towards the issue. I heard the rattle of a gurney being wheeled onto the floor. After a few minutes, I heard the gurney, sounding weighed down, move through the hallway. The person they had tried to save had passed, and I watched the shadow of the gurney move past the door. It was at that moment I realized that the coat was missing again. I strained to see if it had fallen on the floor, but my body wouldn't let me do that. Then, a sound. Familiar, the sound, but foreign in its location. I heard that labored wheezing that was once outside of my door, but was now right next to me. I turned my head as best I could, leaning it slightly to the side and shifting my eyes. I saw nothing, just that drab sheet that cut the room in half. The wheezing continued, and it sounded like a man struggling for his last breath. The wetness and strain was almost painful. There would be times that it would stop for ten seconds before a gasp that almost startled you. My eyes darted around the room quickly. Tanya was still listed as my nurse. The coat was gone, and the breeze was... I couldn't feel the breeze. The light from outside seemed dimmer. The small crack of light from the door to the hospital looked like a haze was dampening the bright lights. I struggled to make a noise, scared that whoever or whatever was beside me would become alerted to the fact that I was there and aware of it. 
My eyes fell onto something then. The television. The glassy black screen that showed me the reflection of the room. I could see around the curtain on that screen. I squinted and looked hard. Harder than I had ever looked at anything in my life before. An empty bed reflected back at me. The sheets of the bed almost glistened from the light that poured through the window on the outside. But the wheezing continued, unabated. Then the light from outside dimmed. Through the curtain I could see a figure moving through the room, on the other side of the bed, almost gliding across the room. They crossed in front of the light, and the entire window seemed to dim. Not that the figure blocked the light. I mean, the light physically dimmed. Everything that shone in through the window almost became foggy. Even after the figure passed the window, it stayed darker than it was. I watched as the shadow outline moved from the window and towards the edge of the curtain and into my sight. I only saw a shadow on the wall. There was a physical shadow, but I saw no one. I was on a ton of meds. Was I experiencing a hallucination? Some bad side effect it had to have been. But I watched as this shadow almost glided to the coat rack and stopped, changing its shape before my eyes. The humanoid form that I saw bent and bulged and twisted and turned until it looked almost identical to the coat on the rack. The breathing continued, regardless of the shape that it formed in front of me. Another thought crossed my mind then. Was this death coming to take me? Had my body finally had enough and given up? Was my heart failing to pump the blood to my brain and this was me slowly dying, seeing strange beings that sat on the blurry line between life and death? As my thoughts raced, the door opened and Tanya walked in. I stared at her wide-eyed in fear as the creature on the coat rack was covered by the door. She did her usual thing, uncaringly, and left, closing the door behind her. I stared at the spot where that thing should have been, watching for it to creep around the door and take me, but it never did. I was left in the dingy hospital bed with this creature. I stared at it as it sat on the coat rack, slowly moving, as if it were breathing. I'm not sure how much time passed before I saw it move again. It unfolded almost like an origami piece made by a skilled master. I watched it unfold into the strange, blobby, humanoid mass. It creeped down the wall, and I watched as the light from the crack in my door dimmed for just a second as it slipped out to the hospital. Minutes later, I heard the commotion from outside my room again, and heard the words Code Blue. It couldn't be a coincidence, could it? The shadow leaving, a person dying. I didn't see the coat on the rack the last time it happened either, now that I think about it. The shadow had to be death. A demon or the devil himself coming to take the soul of those whose time it was to leave. It wasn't long before I heard the dejected sounds of people walking down the hallway from this floor, then the squeak of the gurney that would carry the body down towards the morgue. The small crack in my door almost seemed to strobe with light as people passed over and over. During one of these flashes, the shadow sprung forth into the room, appearing on the wall next to the door. The wheezing then began from the bed next to me. I watched as the shadow creeped along the wall next to my bed, 
avoiding the small, dim light put out by one of the screens and the lights of the machines it was attached to. It slithered up the wall, over the scene of nature that was painted on it, and over top of me, onto the ceiling, changing form from slightly humanoid to a long, slender teardrop form. I saw no face or features to identify anything it could see or hear from. This was the closest it had ever come to me, only four or five feet from my head. An icy chill spread across me as I felt its presence close to me. Then, footsteps. The shadow flung itself into the corner with the coat rack. Tanya entered, looking stressed and in a hurry. She saw that I was awake and quickly asked me the usual questions on how I feel, pain, and if I can move anything. I did my best to strain answers out to her questions. She then checked the equipment and walked out. The shadow stayed on the rack then for about two days. I fell asleep and woke up to see it still sitting there, seemingly motionless unless you looked very closely. Then you would see that the shadow was almost breathing. I regained control of more muscles in my right arm and was able to move all of my fingers. The doctors that came in said that at the rate of recovery they would be hoping for full mobility by the end of the month. The month had just started. The shadow woke me when it moved. I'm unsure how exactly, but I woke to the sound of like the coat rack being bumped, like the feet on the bottom of the rack slid slightly and created a quiet squeak. I felt the cold of the air rush over me and saw a glimpse of the shadow duck through the door. Maybe ten minutes later, the same commotion, sounds of people, then silence in the halls, then the sound of people walking away, much more slowly. It was another fifteen minutes until I heard the identifiable sound of the gurney coming to take the body away. The shadow didn't return after that occurrence of death, at least not right away. It was maybe two and a half weeks into my recovery since that last death, I had regained control of my neck, right arm, and the majority of my legs, though I was not able to balance well as my muscles had begun to atrophy. I used the walker and the nurses to balance me. Nurse Cat and I would walk around the wing each night as a late-night exercise. She was encouraging and always proud of what I was accomplishing. What she displayed as a nurse is what I needed to keep pressing onward. It was one of my last nights in the hospital. I was able to walk with a walker on my own and feed myself without issue. My home had been refurbished to accommodate my recovery, and I'm sure it was going to cost a hell of a lot of money when all was said and done. I was laying on the hospital bed, watching yet another bad sitcom when I heard the wheezing that made my skin prickle and hair stand up. I sat up as best I could and looked around, able to reach out and move the curtain between the beds in the room. I felt a chill go through the air as I saw a familiar shape manifest in the corner of the room. The strange-looking thing that seemed to be a coat on the rack again. I watched the TV and glanced over at the coat rack, seeing the thing. And it sort of felt like a pet. Like when a cat comes and sleeps near you. I was about to roll over and go to sleep when I heard the coat rack scrape. I saw the light near the door dim and soon heard the sound of rushing feet, and calm yet hurried voices calling a code blue.